0: You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: And this morning, I am joined from the University of Minnesota by Mary Meyer. Good morning, Mary.
2: Good morning, Denny. Great to hear your voice on this beautiful fall day.
1: And yours as well. Now, if you had the power, can we get some more rain and snow, please?
2: Oh, my gosh. Well, <laughs> oh, snow see. was better than nothing, but I no. wish it was rain. I think I think it takes like 10 inches of snow to make an inch of water for similar to rainfall. We really do need the rain centrally. Minnesota. Oh my gosh. Uh, I think every time I hear how far behind we are in rain, it has increased by an inch. So I think we're up to nine inches now below normal. So what this means for gardeners is if you planted anything new in your garden this year, any new hosta, certainly a tree, a shrub, you have got to put additional water on it. Going into the winter with uh, drought is is fatal. It can be really difficult on plants. and We have a tendency to forget what happens out there in the garden once white and snow covers yeah. everything. We kind of forget about it. So then the next spring you're going to be wondering, why did this plant die? Why isn't it looking good? because it's so dry right now. So as long as the ground is not frozen, uh, I would encourage you to, to really remember to water anything new you planted this year.
1: Uh, yes, and I was thinking that very thing in our yard, uh, not only because of the boxwoods, but the new sod and everything else, all the all the trees. And, uh, uh, even, and looking at the forecast, Mary, as far as overnight lows, um, It's not too bad, and like you said, the ground isn't frozen yet. Uh, Thirty-eight the low tonight, now 27 Sunday night, 24 Monday night. But then uh, the rest of the week looks like lows will be around 37, 38 degrees. So it's still time to water, and definitely I know we want to conserve that at the same time. So it's quite a a feat here to try to not only conserve water, but to get those plants, shrubs, etc., uh, what they need before winter, and let's hope we do get some good snow cover this year. We really need that.
2: Yes, as well. that will that will definitely help. That's for
1: sure. All right. All right if you have any kind of a, um, a, a smart garden question, any kind of a lawn or garden question, by all means, you can call it in. If you'd like to chat with Mary or send Mary your text, either one. Here's the number to do either six five one four six one nine two two six. I think Gary is first up here on the phone calling in from uh, St. Louis Park. Gary, you're on with Mary Meyer.
0: Hi, good morning, Mary. Good morning, Denny. Mary, this past week I had my lawn aerated,
1: and now I have two questions. Um, Should I go ahead and wait another month or so and do some dormant seeding, or would it be better just to wait until spring to seed? And the second part of my question is, is there an advantage to using a broadcast spreader to do this as opposed to a drop spreader. And thank you for the show. Thanks, Gary.
2: Uh, You know, Gary, if it was my lawn, I would do a dormant seeding this fall. Um, We have had really good success with dormant seeding. This is putting the seed down... When the ground is cold and so it's not going to germinate, but it will work its way into the soil and then germinate earlier in the spring. So because you've aerated, you have opened up some places for the seed to have good seed soil contact. So I would do the dormant seeding, you know, I'd probably wait uh, until usually the 1st of November uh, and then put the seed down. Um, and your other question was the type of spreader usually with seed a uh, broadcast spreader is preferred you get a better wider distribution and you can go north south and then east west in your lawn so that you do it cover it twice and um, that way you'll get good distribution the drop is really preferred for fertilizer or um, things that you want a more concentrated amount in a certain area.
1: <laughs> I was thinking back years ago, Mary, when I mistakenly used a, bro- a drop spreader with some fertilizer instead of a broadcast spreader. And that lawn was so striped because I wasn't using, <laughs> I was using more <laughs> fertilizer in some areas and it was uh, not exactly an even spread on there. But. Uh, I haven't seen a drop spreader. Easy
2: in, to in do,
1: Denny. Oh yes, yes, especially yeah, for me. Yeah. Uh, again, six five one four six one nine two two six. Let's grab another phone call. Mary, Ken, calling in here from uh, Maplewood this morning. Hey, Ken, good morning. What is your question for Mary? I had one of those. Uh, uh, thank you. I had one mm-hmm. of those embryos in the wax wall, and it grew very nicely. Beautiful flowers and i when it finished i put it in a pot of dirt and the foliage came up beautiful but that one flower i wonder is it going to bloom eventually
2: well it's hard to say ken uh the amaryllis is a super super bulb and i give that as gifts every year because it's a very reliable beautiful big uh bloom the first year But after that, it's really difficult to say how well it's going to do. Now the wax ball, this is an interesting thing. This is a wax on the outside of the bulb. And um, that wax has got to come off somewhat in order, certainly for it to grow roots and the bottom of it to get out into the soil. So if you've got green foliage on it and you've had good, healthy green foliage, I would wait a little longer and see what happens. But if in another month or so now you don't see a, a flower... Uh, bud coming out I would take it apart and examine the bulb and look and see if that wax has removed itself and there's a good healthy root system it's it's likely it's uh, kind of compromised at this point so if you don't have a good one this year try it again next year because amaryllis are just a super uh, gift and a super plant to grow in the winter
1: Another point we always like to bring up uh, every show is uh, for
2: For a gift and a super plant to grow in the winter.
1: Another point we always like to bring up uh, every show is uh, for great reading and a great resource. Uh, Get on the university website, extension.umn.edu. Um, Mary, you and your colleagues, uh, you have put so much uh, information on that. It's, it's such a fun read, and I tell you, a lot of reading, especially during the winter months. You can sit back and, and plan for spring. Yes.
2: Right. There's lots of good information up there. If you um, if you subscribe to the Yard and Garden newsletter, you can get the e-news. And I was just reading this morning Julie's comments on what to do now in your garden and preparing your garden for winter. Lots of great tips on uh, containers, what to do with your containers to protect them from winter, uh, leaf care. So yes, lots of good information on extension.umn.edu.
1: Mary, a texter says this, should we cut down hydrangeas now or in the spring?
2: I do as little as possible with yeah. my hydrangeas. I really cut the flowers off of the big hydrangea paniculata that I have. But otherwise, I would leave your hydrangea growing if the flowers bother you because sometimes they get big and heavy and brown looking. Take off the flowers. But I would leave any foliage on hydrangeas because um, it, it will really help them uh produce more carbohydrates and more flowers for next year.
1: Very good. Before we take a break, let's grab another phone call. This one, uh, Dick, is calling in from uh, Plymouth, I believe, this morning. Dick, thank you. What is your question this morning? Uh, Yes, uh, thank you. Uh, I know fall is the best time to spray for Creeping Charlie, but I guess is it too late Hello?
2: Well, I think it is, Dick. Uh, the temperature on the the um, herbicide uh, is listed on the label. So if you read carefully the directions on the label for the herbicide application, it will tell you about the temperature. Do not apply above or do not apply below. And a lot of those is 50 degrees and so you got to have 50 degrees around for at least, you know, two, good good uh, 6, 8, 12 hours when you're putting that on. So if it warms up again and we get a warm day, maybe. But the whole idea is that the plant is actively growing and will take up that herbicide. And a lot of plants now are starting to shut down. Uh, because the drought, many plants are prematurely shutting down, and then just the cold weather. So I think you may have missed the window for this year.
1: Okay, thank you, Dick. day well, let's take a break. Uh, alerting Brian, you're going to be next up on the phone here. If you have a lawn and garden question, you want to send it via text or phone call six five one four six one. 9226. Right now in the Twin Cities, still have 31 degrees heading for sunshine and 56. Stay with us here. Newstalk 830 WCCO. Good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show here on CCO. Every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour, our thanks to people like Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota answering those lawn and garden questions today by phone or by text. 651-461-9226 is how you get your question answered. And uh, Mary, we promised Brian he'd be first. Brian is calling in from Andover, I believe, this morning. Thank you for waiting, Brian. What's your question? Hey, um, I have a little dilemma, I have some land that I just plowed for the first time way up by Red Lake, Minnesota, northern Minnesota, and I will not have regular irrigation, I'll, I'll be visiting every two to three weeks during the growing season, and my question is, um, can you recommend any kind of vegetables? that or fruits even that are more hardy uh, might be more drought resistant than others that I could experiment with and just as an aside the soil type is uh, heavily clay so I'll hang up and listen and I love the show all right thank you very much what do you think Mary oh
2: gosh Brian yes you have a dilemma right Uh, well heavy clay uh, is helpful I mean that's going to hold more moisture but pretty much all of the vegetables that we grow the annual vegetables are really um very dependent on water so these annual crops have a shallow root system that's uh true with most of the the row crops that are planted wheat soybeans the annuals corn are they got shallow root systems they really need uh, a lot of, of uh, additional rainfall so having said all that, it's it's kind of tough with the annuals. When you get to perennials, you have a better chance with something like blueberries that really are, um, you know, going to live longer, a longer time. Apples, some of our fruit trees are actually pretty um, drought tolerant once they get established. Now, the other thing is, is what the pH is of your soil and the exposure as far as uh, slope with frost and so on when you get into those perennial fruits. So you're talking Red Lake. So this is up there in zone three. So things are going to be be cold for sure. But there are still things that can grow up there. So I would encourage you to get a soil test, if at all possible, so you can figure out the pH of your soil and then consider um, what if If blueberries might be an option or some of the really hardy fruit trees, uh, but the annual vegetables I think will be a challenge unless they, we get a lot of normal rainfall. And then I would go with some of the leafy crops like um, Swiss chard, collards, um, the uh, the kale, things that you can pick on a regular uh, basis that uh, might do better in drier sites.
1: And good luck with that. What a project. Yeah, what a project. Uh, Texter says this, Mary, if a soil mix quote recipe calls for charcoal, do I use the kind for grilling or is there another type and where might I find it? What what about the charcoal question?
2: Yeah, charcoal was sometimes used in soil mixes to absorb um, things. It's a very absorbent I actually have never used it when I've made my own soil mix. You, it it is, I I think that's going to be tough to find. You can maybe find it is not what you use for uh, a barbecue. What you use in planting uh, is much finer in particles. It's not a big chunk. You might find it at a garden center. You could probably find it online, but it's, um, yeah, it, I think that's gonna be kind of a challenge. It isn't a critical thing. There are other things you can use. Um, we're getting away from using perlite, but perlite uh, would be a substitute for charcoal.
1: Oh, okay. Uh, let's see, oh, we got a lot of a uh, lot of text messages. What's, uh, what's the best time to split and transplant iris and daylily? When's the best time to cut them back?
2: The best time for transplanting iris is in August, uh, late July and August. Uh, I will not try transplanting anything now. We are we are past the point of return for transplanting in Minnesota, digging up uh, perennials and doing that. Daylilies you can almost do any time of the year, but early spring is good. But for the iris, I wouldn't do that until uh, late July or early August. I just want to cut the tops back because they are brown and not looking good. You can do that now because okay. the plants are pretty much, they're going into dormancy. But you, you really don't have to unless they're brown.
1: This listener, Mary, purchased a zygocactus many months ago. It appears to have buds never blooms. Also have a moth orchid that was blooming beautifully until I transplanted it. I did use the proper potting soil for orchids. What are your thoughts about uh, these issues? Zygote cactus.
2: So I think they're mostly concerned about blooming, right, yes. for both of Ye- these? Correct. Yes. Yeah, Yeah. timing on blooming. So uh, blooming with orchids is uh, good light conditions and a regular fertilizer. Uh, cactus need good light conditions too, but many cactus, the zygote, I haven't grown that cactus. Many cactus need a cold treatment or short days to induce flowering. So what that means is, um, yeah, yeah, keep them out on your porch, not freezing, of course, but 50 degrees uh, for a couple of weeks can often induce cactus flower or short days. So if you put them in a room that you don't use at night, we now have short days. And after a couple of weeks, few weeks, the short days can induce blooming there.
1: Okay, very good. Hang on, Mary. We're going to be having a look at that uh, CCO forecast, and then we have about another half hour of the show to go. Any kind of a lawn or garden question, we welcome yours by phone or by text at 651-461-9226. Stay with us on this Saturday morning from News Talk 830-WCCO. Good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show here every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour. Thanks to our friends uh, like Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota helping you out with your lawn and garden questions this morning. If you'd like to call them in, great. If you want to send a text like a lot of folks do, either way, just one number to remember, 651 What's happening at the Arboretum, <clears throat> excuse me, Mary, this time of year, is a great time of year, really any time of year, but this is a fun time.
2: Oh, yes. This is a fun time. We actually have huge number of visitors to see the beautiful fall color. Uh, The maples have been really spectacular this year and they are still really beautiful. So in addition to the wonderful fall color, there are over 300 kinds of pumpkins and squash on display at the Arboretum. There is a huge pumpkin tree. You can have your picture taken along (laughs) beside a pumpkin tree, a tower of pumpkins that's right outside the visitor center. There are scarecrows, over thirty scarecrows for you to vote with your favorite scarecrow. That's certainly a fun thing to see this time of year. Uh, So, and the grass collection. Uh, Many people know that I work on the grass. As the grass collection is at its peak right now with beautiful blooms, and the apple house is open. So you can get Harrelson apples, uh, Sweet Tango, Cortland, Sweet 16, lots of the apples that have been grown and certainly developed at the University of Minnesota. The Apple House is um, free. Uh, the Arboretum is free to members. Apple House is open with no reservations from 10 to 6. You can get uh, pumpkins if you haven't selected your pumpkins. You can get artisan squash. Uh, as well as grapes. There are fresh grapes uh, grown at the Arboretum um, as well. To to, uh, to get into the Arboretum, you do need a reservation. There, there are hundreds of reservations available every half hour. Just make a reservation online. If members are always free and Apple House is always free and open with no reservations. And if you're thinking about upcoming things at the Arboretum, Winter Lights, the uh, big light exhibit through the winter, tickets are on sale now for Winter Lights, and that is a sell-out program. It is such a wonderful thing to see. Of course, we would always like to be able to go on the warmest night of Winter Lights, but who knows when that is. But tickets are on sale for that as well.
1: I could go for a sweet tango alp- apple right now. Mm. Oh, oh, they're, yeah. so good. they're, they're very so good. good. So good. All right, uh, 651-461-9226. Texter says this, uh, Mary, I have vincas in a garden box that are still looking good. Any hope they might survive the winter if I put them in the ground?
2: Well, here we are with a common name. And so vinca can be uh, an annual flower, which really will not live well uh, at all. And no, it won- they won't live through the ground. There's also a vinca vine. And the vinca vine sometimes can live through the winter here. The variegated one is marginally, really marginally hardy. But if it's not a vine, I would say no, there is not much uh, chance of it uh, surviving. But you know, along with common names, I just like to comment we had the caller about cactus, uh, the yes. zygo cactus. I did not know the zygo cactus is another name for what we normally call the Christmas cactus and, mm. and the botanical name is slumbergera. And yeah, not too many people walking around talking about slumbergeras. (laughs) But um, yeah, so zygocactus is the same as the cactus we give the holiday name to. And so, yeah, the cool temperatures or short days will get that to bloom. But common names can always uh, be a challenge.
1: What was that name? Slumberger? Sounds like something with cheese. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All right. Let's uh, grab a phone call, Mary. Florence is calling in, I believe, from Comstock, Wisconsin, this morning. Florence, thank you. What is your question for Mary?
2: Um, thank you for your show. It's great. Okay, oh. I uh, raised uh, squash. I've got like six really nice big uh, buttercup squash, and I had to take them out uh, because it froze here really bad last week. And some of them aren't ripe and, Totally. Will they ripen on their own down the basement? I brought them in. Uh, Maybe a little bit, Florence. It really depends on how far along they are, but it's certainly worth giving it a try. So these winter squashes are really kind of tropicals. You know, they don't like cold weather at all. So you definitely were right to bring them in uh, before the frost. They uh, appreciate what's called a curing period right now. So this means a nice warm temperature. So I have my squash in my front hall in my house, kind of right above the heater. So yeah, warm temperatures will really help them once you pick them for the first couple of weeks. It helps to cure the rind. And if they are going to ripen any further, they, they will do that a little bit but not a lot, but it's worth a try. Uh, You will know when you cut into them, you'll be able to see the orange flesh, flesh versus green around the edge. And of course, if it's not orange inside, um, it's not going to be as sweet, but um, try it out and uh, good luck.
1: This uh, listener, uh, Mary says, is there anything, we kind of touched on this earlier. Is there anything I should be doing with my boxwoods now to help them through the winter? We talked about watering, watering.
2: Yes. So watering is, boxwoods are really quite drought tolerant, but I have a boxwood knot, and I am watering that now to make sure it has some water to go through the winter. So I'd give it a good um, dose of water. Um, And then depending on the exposure, you might want to wrap it with burlap or give it some wind protection. Mine is on the north side of my house, so it doesn't get the drying winds that come on the west or the south side. So I don't put a protection on mine. The other thing is that if it snows, it's wonderful if the whole thing gets covered up with snow. I, I hope for that. And again, on the north side, you have a more of a chance of that snow covered for the whole winter, uh, watering before it gets really cold. Those are what we hope for with boxwood.
1: I'm thinking which side. Mine are on the east side. I never have uh, covered them, and right now they're, you know, I've I have been watering them, so they look pretty healthy. But Mm -hmm. on the east side, I've never uh, covered them, and they seem fine.
2: Yeah, yeah. North and then east are the most uh, protected for our climate. South is the worst, and west can be can be kind of in between.
1: This uh, listener says, I have planted a couple of varieties of milkweed this year. How far do I cut them back?
2: Oh, I wouldn't cut them back at all. I would leave the stems up and let the um, the seed pods probably, ha- if they have seed pods, have opened and the seeds are coming out. You can help with dispersing that, but I wouldn't cut off the, those until the springtime. And we're really encouraged now with most of our perennials to leave a good six or eight inches at the base for stems, for overwintering, uh, for pollinators that will use the stems of specific plants. So, um, yes, it's tolerating a new look with a little bit messy and things uh, 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 growing in the winter time.
1: Okay, let's see. Let's go back to the phones, Mary. Jean, I think, is calling in from St. Paul this morning. Jean, you're on CCO with Mary.
2: Good morning. I have a, either a lily or a calla lily. I don't know which one it is, but it has long green stems with splashes of white on it. I was given it as a gift, and in the fall I took the foliage off and I put it in a cellarway, and I brought it out and planted it, and all the green came up really nice, but it never bloomed again, and I wondered what I can do to it. So when you, where you have it in the summer determines a lot of how much energy it gets uh, to produce the flowers. So um, I think your story... George was great, Jean. It's just that when it's growing in the summertime, I'd give it quite a bit of light if possible, increase and give it more and more sun or put it in a sunny place. So it's it's in the sun from the beginning when, when you put it out um, in the springtime. And then I would think about fertilizing it. So I would say additional fertilizer and the brightest light possible uh, will help. The cannas are the great big tall things. They really need uh, really just full sun conditions. Calla lilies, uh, they can tolerate a little bit more shade, but they both like really good light.
1: Okay. This listener, Mary, lives an hour north of Brainerd, and the question is, is it too late to move my peonies?
2: Yes. Yeah, I, I wouldn't do any more transplanting now. Uh, because I think even here in the cities, unless unless you're moving and trying to take a plant with you that you can't access again in the spring, I'd wait until the spring to do it. Peonies are the best divided in the fall. You can start dividing them um, when it gets to be mid August, late August. You can divide them, but I think it's too late to do any of that now. Dividing them. Um, When it gets to be mid-August, late-August, you can divide them. But I think it's too late to do any of that now. Okay.
1: One more before we have a quick break here. If I dormant seed, Texter says, when can I put crabgrass preventer on in the spring?
2: Uh, (laughs) That's a good question. After a long time. So the crabgrass preventer is going to prevent any seed any seed from germinating. So you want to wait till your grass is up and growing and you're mowing it before you use crabgrass preventer. So that's going to that's going to be a tough thing to do because you got to put that crabgrass preventer down uh, before germination and so with a new lawn that's a tough tough thing to do.
1: It is. All right, I tell you what. Uh, let's take a quick break, and uh, we have uh, more show to come here on our Smart Garden Show six five one four six one nine two two six. Mary Meyer from the U of M is answering those lawn and garden questions today here on Newstalk eight three zero. This is W C C O. And welcome back to the remaining minutes of our Smart Garden Show here on CCO. Every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour, we're uh, standing by in the next hour for Andy Lindis and home improvement. So if you have any kind of a home improvement question you want to ask Andy, that's coming up next hour after the news break. In the meantime, Mary Meyer from the U of M is answering those lawn and garden questions. Here's one, Mary. Will hibiscus trees winter over inside, and do you have any tips?
2: Yes, this is a great Plant to overwinter indoors. I've done this before and this is a plant that actually can flower for you through the winter. If you have a bright sunny window, so the south facing windows uh, get a lot of sun in Minnesota in the wintertime. Hibiscus are a big plant. They usually need quite a bit of water because they have a big thin leaf. But yes, you can bring them back inside and just give them as much light as possible. And as long as they're uh, healthy, and growing uh, a small amount of fertilizer through the winter will help them as well.
1: Okay, as you know, Mary, we have the smartest listeners out there. Here's one who and they do offer us uh, some suggestions, too. A uh, listener said uh, they just uh, googled charcoal for gardening, several options they say online. So, uh, for that listener, if you want to check oh, out for buying it, yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and he or she also says, love your Saturday morning shows gives me a reason not to sleep in. (laughs) Me too. As a matter of fact, (laughs) um, let's see. Uh, Um, a friend, a friend, this texture says recently gave me some small lilac sprouts that I have in a five gallon container. How should I overwinter them? And when is the best uh, time to plant them in the spring?
2: Well, I think if they were mine, I really would plant them outside. I, um, you know, hopefully they've got some roots on them, and lilacs are good hardy plants for Minnesota. Uh, I don't have a place where I could keep them through the winter, and they would be okay in a container like that. So the the issue is you've got the roots there that are going to be exposed and you You really don't want to keep them growing in the winter. you want them to go through their normal dormancy so i would um I would find a place and put them outside right now because the soil is still warm enough you could put them in uh and hopefully they have enough root system on them to get uh The root system will keep them alive, and then uh, you might protect them if you think they're vulnerable to rabbits or something. But I'd mark where you put them uh, to watch next spring and water them well.
1: Okay. Mary, this listener says, I've cleared the tomato vines from the garden. I don't put the vines in the compost, but I'm wondering if I can put the leftover tomatoes in the compost without passing any tomato disease to the compost. Thank you.
2: Well, the home composts, our home composts usually don't get to the temperature that will kill all the diseases. So your best bet is to uh, completely bury these things, uh, diseased plants, away from your other plants or put them in a municipal compost where they really will uh, totally uh, reach high enough temperature So we have information on this on the website about composting disease plants or what to do with disease plants. I try most of my uh, green waste yard waste on my own property and manage that. But when you get to plants that are perpetually have disease like tomatoes, then you've got to do something different. You've got to get them to a commercial compost site And many municipalities have this where you can take your own yard waste and dispose of it there.
1: I think we have time for maybe one more. So fungus gnats, uh, they've been overrun. They uh, used uh, a a potting soil purchased uh, from a respected dealer, but we think, they say, the gnats came with that soil. How can we be sure inside soil is gnat-free? What can you do about that?
2: yes this is a challenge so those fungus gnats and i tend to see them this time of year they often will come in on plants that have been growing outside so uh the moisture in the So a real determinant on the fungus gnat population. So if you can keep your plants on the drier side, that will help also. Uh, There's some home remedy things like putting a slice of a potato in the soil. That will attract a lot of the fungus gnat larvae and you can kind of trap them on that potato uh, chunk and then throw that away so you get rid of them Uh, insecticidal soap is another thing that you can use on your plants but most of this is the soil so again we have um, information on the whole life cycle and how to minimize that keeping your plants on the dry side i think is the one of the best things you can do
1: one more quick one then we have to temporary thing just temporary can I winter hens yeah. and chicks outside? The texter wants to know.
2: Um, you know, I have not had good luck with that. Occasionally, someone will tell me they have been able to do that, but I have not done that. My, I keep, I have a few in pots that I keep in a bright window through the winter time.
1: All right. Well, just a final reminder uh, to get to the Arboretum and the Apple House and uh, please get online. Check out the university website, extension.umn.edu. Well, Mary, I hope we uh, speak again real soon. Thank you so much for your expertise. We always uh, have so much fun. I know our listeners do as well.
2: Oh, I do too, Denny. Great to talk about gardening. Always a pleasure.
1: Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota. As I mentioned earlier, get those home improvement questions ready. Andy Lindis will be answering those very questions next hour here on CCO. We look for some sunshine today. Highs here in the Twin Cities near 56 degrees. That may be probably the warmest day until uh, Friday rolls around because the high on Monday will maybe be 38 degrees or near it. Uh, Overnight lows on Monday night, 24. In fact, we're going to drop to 27 Sunday night. So keep that in mind if, as we talk about uh, lawns and any plants, lawns and gardens here on CCO. Right now, in the meantime, there's a southwest breeze at eight, dew point 28, 89 humidity, and our current uh, Twin City temperature reading 31 degrees.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy